Um, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1. Today I want to, I want to bring an idea to you that um, I feel like is oftentimes neglected in church because for generations and throughout kind of Christianity, it seems to um, oftentimes benefit the corporate church, the conventional church structure to keep people in their place. Anyone ever been put in their place in church? Right? It's always seemed to benefit kind of the, the building of the corporate church, which is usually centered not around the heart of God, but usually around the heart of man. And as I begin to kind of think about this idea that I want to hit today, I realize that even in my own life and even in my own heart, that I begin to find objections internally to some of what I'm going to say today because we've been taught to rely solely on God for everything and anything that we need in our life, which is true. We've been taught that we are weak, which is true, but that in our weakness that we somehow, let me put it this way, we find an excuse to not actually fulfill or recognize the greatness of God that is inside of every one of us. The title of my message today is More Than Enough, and the reason I left it so ambiguous is because immediately each and every mind in this place probably thinks God is more than enough, which is true, but you, did, you, did you know that because he is inside of you, because he created you in his image, that you're more than enough too? Now, just simply by saying you are more than enough, how many of you in this building, by me saying, let's be honest with each other, when I say you are more than enough, for those of you that are watching online, we have a little trick we need those of you that are watching online to do today, and I'll tell you what that is here in a little bit, so you can follow right along. But how many of you, when I say you are more than enough, internally you have some version, you may not say it out loud, but in, inside of you, you have some version of the following, you don't know me. Come on, let's be honest here today. Or, yeah, that sounds good, but you don't understand what's going on in my life. It hasn't worked so far. If I'm more than enough, then why is it that I am not where I think I should be or I want to be? If I have everything I need, Pastor Dan, then why is this happening? And I, I kind of want to refocus. I'm not going to use my words. I'm going to use the words spoken by the creator of the heavens and earth. And one of the priorities as we see in Genesis 1, as he begins to create all that we see and all that we know, the universe itself, our, the planet we live on, every living thing, we see that the only thing that he actually takes the time to create in his image is you and me. He doesn't place that idea or that concept or that creative power on anything else. I was thinking about this. We have some beautiful sunsets in Florida. Anybody agree with that? We have some beautiful um, flowers. We have some beautiful landscapes. We have some beautiful animals. If you've ever seen like a majestic, you know, black, shiny stallion running through, you know, the meadow, it's, it's so, it's beautiful. You see, uh, 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 if you've ever gone whale watching and seen a whale breach the water, it's breathtaking. But that was not created in his image. 
That's, we, we can look at that and go, wow, I've never seen anything like that. And you're wrong. You've actually seen something greater than that every time you've looked in the mirror when you woke up in the morning. Because that stallion or that whale or whatever it is that you see, that flower, that sunset, that landscape was not created in his image, but you were. Come on. Your mean ex was created in his image. Come on. Your boss. No, not your boss. Your boss is definitely not creating his image. We're going too far there. We were the only thing. Think about the beauty that surrounds us. I've been, I'll never forget, um, I've been to some beautiful places on earth. I'll never forget the first time maybe you, you see the Grand Canyon or Niagara Falls. Even uh, last year, I was at a volcano in, in um, Nicaragua, Managua, and looking over the base of this volcano, I thought, my God, what did it take? The power, the might, the creativity to produce this. You could, you could literally, it was, a, a, it was a type of volcano that wasn't shaped like this. It was a crater. At the bottom of that crater was the lava, the, the, you know, the pool of lava, the lake of lava. And I remember looking down in it, and as silly as it sounds and as crazy as it is, because you think it just happens in the movies, if you've ever seen an active volcano that up close, I would peer down over the edge of this crater, looking down, I could see the lake of lava, you know, 1,800 feet below or whatever it is. And if it was quiet enough, sometimes it didn't even need to be quiet, and the gases were moving right and everything was happening the way you could literally hear the roar of the lava, the power and might of this lava at the bottom of the volcano, and as beautiful and breathtaking and inspiring and it, it just it, you just felt so much that still with all that it has doesn't compare to you and me. Genesis 1.27 says, so God created mankind in his own image in the image of God he created them. I don't know why he has to say this twice. It's fairly redundant. But then I get to thinking about you and me and how hard-headed we are when it comes to believing God's words, especially when it has to do with us. And it's like he's like, I, I, you, I created you in my image. In my image, I created you. I created you in my image. I, in my image, like what part of this do you not understand, Pastor Dan? Yeah, <laughs> I created you in my image. Come on. Psalms 139 says this, it says, for you created in my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I don't know if you've ever created a piece of art before or you've ever painted or you've ever sculpted or you've ever done anything, but when you take a paintbrush to a canvas, you think about if it really means something to you, if this piece of art means something to you, you take that next stroke of the brush fearfully wanting to make sure that it's placed in the right place with the right amount of pressure. When he sculpted and created you and me, he took the time to fearfully create us, to worry about every detail, to wonderfully and inspirationally fashion us together. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. 
Can you imagine if every morning we just meditated on Psalms 139, 13 through 16, how different our mind, our emotions, and our heart would be every day of our life? If we really believe this. Every day. I don't know about you. I, 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 have, I have yet to really ultimately find people, especially in the church, that I think to myself, they need to be knocked down a peg or two. Most people walking around the earth today have been knocked down so many pegs that they've forgotten who they are and what they've even desired to do. Every bill that comes in, come on, every you know, critical words spoken to them by a loved one or a boss or whoever else. They, most of you in this room, including myself, we walk around with such a, a, a limited perspective of what we are capable of doing and being. We beat ourselves up more than other people beat ourselves up. We've got more black eyes for our own th- from our own thoughts and our own ideas of ourselves than anything else. I don't believe in a gospel that runs the face of the earth looking to correct people and, and take them down a couple notches and, you know, where the Lord said, humble thyself. And like, listen, if you live on the earth today, you, have, you are in a natural humbling uh, program, okay? You have signed yourself up, especially if you live in Sarasota and have to pay the rent prices here, you're humbled every month, all right? <laughs> Do I believe in humility? Yes, but I, I, I actually find more often than not that somebody needs to be less humbled and more actually built up and encouraged than anything else. And for some reason, we've seen that We've seen encouragement. We've seen words of affirmation as some antithesis, some opposite idea from humility. And I believe you can both be humble, come on, and also know what the heck God created you to be and the good stuff that's inside of you. They're not opposite ideas at war with each other. This is good preaching today. You know why? Because it's going to unlock something in you and me that you're going to leave here today and go, "Mm, I'm going to hold my head up a little bit higher. You don't know what they've said about me. You don't know what they've said about me. Well, you know what I, what I've, what's happened in my life. I, you know what? What's happened in your life is awful. The stuff that's happened or not happened, the words that have been spoken or not spoken, the missed things in your life, the things either you've done or been done to you, I don't want to baby that or, 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 or put it down or, or in any way, shape, or form minimize the pain that you've been through. But even in the midst of the pain, what God created you and me to be and do has not been altered. It was originally designed and planned, and that has not been altered because of what you've done or what has been done to you. The purpose of God in your life and mine is still exactly the same as before we were formed in our mother's womb. First Peter, you can't cough nowadays. You'll get that in a second. <laughs> Woo, I need a drink, something. Um, I didn't mean it that way that came out. I needed water. <laughs> but you are a chosen race. I'm going to this, this, break this scripture down for you. In a moment, 
First Peter 2.9, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are people for his own possession. Do you know the word um, own possession means God's special prize? That's what the Greek means here. God's special prize. My daughter the other day wanted a family photo because on show and tell on Friday, they wanted all the kids to bring a family photo. Thank you. Thank you. Um, They wanted all the kids to bring a family photo. So instead of asking me for a family photo, she ripped one off the wall. Thank you. Thank you, Roland. She climbed up on top of um, her little toy box case that's in the living room and ripped, because it was one of those square ones that has adhesive on the back, ripped a family photo off the wall, still haven't seen it yet, and stuffed it in her backpack and took it to school. She was proud. This is my sissy. This is my family. She was proud of it. Do you know that every Friday when God does show and tell in heaven, he marches you out? You and me are God's special prize. And when it's time to show the angels in heaven the thing he is most proud of, it's you and me. I I don't know about you. And I, I bet you the angels are all like, again? Every week you bring the same thing for show and tell. Can't you like, like show us the, one of the seven wonders of the world? Again, those guys down there. Yeah, every week we are his special prized possession. We are a chosen people. We are royal. And I love this. Um, I'm going to read it to you in a different word, version. It says, you are the proof of the authentic generation. That word um, that, that's, that's chosen literally means it's a klego in the Greek. It's traditionally translated to mean the elected or the election. But if you actually break it down, it's two words, two words in the Greek that make one. It's the word ek, E-K, and that's a word that points to the origin or source. In other words, the O-G, the origin, the source. And the verb lego, not something you play with, is associated with the noun logos, which is the word of God. So when he says you're a chosen race, He's saying you're the original intention of the word of God. Eklego. Whoa. Not an afterthought. The original design, the original purpose of the word of God is you. It ain't the the flowers and the birds and the, and the beautiful uh, waterfalls and the landscapes and the sunsets and the animals and all that. It is you. We were the basis for all that he wanted to do in the world was us. We were created in fashion from the beginning. We're the authentic generation. I'll keep reading that. You are a perfect you, you give testimony to the original idea of the royalty of true priesthood. You're a perfect prototype of the mass of the human race. You are the generation of people who exhibit the conclusion of God's prophetic and poetic. The poetic thought of God has come full circle. 
You publish the excellence of his elevation and display that your authentic identity has been rescued out of obscurity and brought into spectacular light. Yeah, I would, but Michael's back and he'll yell at me. I, 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 I'm gonna read this one to you because I don't wanna, I, I, I can't take as much time as I want to this morning, um, but you're getting the idea. Ephesians 2, 10 says, you ready for this? We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. I love this because the Greek word for workmanship is the word poema, which literally translates to like a poem that God has done everything possible to find spontaneous and effortless expression of his character in us in our everyday life. What do you do when you write a poem? You're inspired by something. You sit down, you begin to think about it. You try to find inspiration. When God we are his work, sometimes we think workmanship, we think like putting a nail into a piece of wood and you know, like he, he like an engineer found all the right little missing pieces and fashioned them together. It's like sterile and just like boom, boom, like, like, an, like an assembly line. Like here's another one and here's another one and here's another one, just stamping us out as we go. Just, you know, slightly different shapes and sizes and colors and all that, but you know, he didn't take much thought. No, 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 it's not that kind of workmanship. It's the workmanship of an artist. He fashioned, he, he, he literally like sitting down, he, you, were a, you were a poem to the world. <laughs> you were created like a poem in the world. You were literally, he literally was like, hey, hey there, mountains. Hey there, valleys. Hey, here, hey, waters that cover the earth. Hey, sands that cover uh, the beaches. Hey, hey, beauty of the world that I took uh, all these days up to this point to create. Now I'm gonna write you a love letter in the form of the human race. Next time I'm at the beach and the sun begins to do its thing and the sky begins to light up, I'll be like, here I am. The sun's gonna be like, ¿Qué estás haciendo, chico? He's gonna be like, the sun's gonna be like, what is going on with you? I'll be like, I'm your poem. God loves you so much, sunset. He sent me to you. Now listen to this, the word, because um, it says we are his workmanship, his poetry, we are fully fit to do good. It says that we are prepared beforehand, that he created in Christ Jesus for good works. That word there, and I'm, it's, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't speak it a Greek, okay? So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do my best to tell you what it says. But the word is this, it's proetoimatso, and it translates a notion that God has prepared a highway for us to lead us out like kings. Now, let me break that down for you. When he says that I have prepared beforehand, when he says that I knew you before you were in your mother's womb, 
It is this Greek word, and it literally is the act that the servants, that the cavalry, that the protectors of the king would do. When a king was going from one city to the next, they would go ahead of the king. And they would make every valley you know, they'd make the road smooth. They would prepare the road. They would get rid of any brush that, is, that had crept in on the road. They would make sure that it was safe. They would make sure that if there was any potholes, they were filled in. God, before you and I were even a thought in our mother and father's brain, I want you to hear this. Before we were ever formed in our mother's womb, he went before us and began to plan out ahead the roads that you and I would be tra traveling upon and journeying upon. And he beforehand prepared them so that if we would listen and walk those roads, that we could get to the destination he planned for us. Listen to this. I, I, I'll give you a chance to clap in a moment. It's the same word used in Isaiah. It's the Hebrew version of this word in Isaiah 40, where it says, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. That scripture right there is the same exact reference to what he's saying right here in Ephesians 2.10. He said, I have prepared a way for you. I picture Jesus carrying the cross up the hill of Golgotha, falling, bleeding, bruised, battered. Some people say, you know, the cross was 300 pounds or 400 pounds upon his back and he would barely be able to nudge it forward and fall again. People would come along and carry it with him or for him. But I just imagine that that was somehow some sort of prophetic act that I will travel the hard road and climb the tallest mountain so you don't have to. I'm gonna read this again. It's gonna mean more to you this time. Ephesians 2.10 again. We are his workmanship. That means we are his poetry. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. I am, um, I, I have been just like, you don't have to be prophetic. You don't have to have some great spiritual gift to literally approach just about anybody inside or outside the church and take a moment to affirm that they are more than enough. You're gonna find 99 times out of 100, if not 100 times out of 100, it's exactly what they needed to hear. I was at a theme park about a month ago and walked up to a, um, a counter to pay for something and, and there was this girl and I, and I just said, I like you, I think you're great, just randomly. I know, you don't want to go to a theme park with me. You really don't want to go anywhere with me, all right? Because I'll embarrass you fast. And she goes, you don't even know me. And she laughed. I said, yeah, I do. And I listed about five things, just five things that fast that I felt in that moment was for her. And she looked back at him. She goes, that's spooky. What do you do? <laughs> she goes, that's exactly right. It wasn't a prophetic moment. 
I know that 99% of people need to hear the same thing. And probably every one of us in this room need to hear the same thing. I said, well, I'm a pastor. She goes, oh, that explains a lot. I said, yeah. She said, so you have like some sort of like gift of insight or what? I'm like, yep, something like that. <laughs> Never heard of the gift of insight, but we'll take it, right? <laughs> but I, every one of us in the, this room needs to know simply this. When God designed and fashioned the earth, everything we see outside of humanity was designed to ultimately prepare a place for you and me. Think about that. My mom has goats, or did have goats. <laughs> she doesn't have goats anymore, but my mom, we grew up with goats. The reason I say my mom is because I don't think my dad ever went out there in the pen once. But anyways, um, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's true. But we went out, we used to have goats as a kid, and when there was a new one being born, we'd have to prepare the place for that baby to be born. The stall would be clean, fresh hay would be there. We'd have everything we needed to make sure the mom was taken care of and the baby was taken care of. Literally prepare the place to get ready. And before you and I were born, God prepared the earth, the universe for our arrival. Everything you and I need, God's prepared ahead of time. So you say, Pastor Dan, I'm not in the place that I thought I would be at this point in my life. That's all right, because I promise you, you and God can make up 10 years in a month. You can accelerate the purpose of God in your life by finally casting off every lie, every demonic thought that would rob from the purpose of who you've been created to be, every, the old way, the old school way of saying it is stinking thinking, the stuff that leads us down the roads of depression, anxiety, and worry, and fear, and really beginning to believe that even if it doesn't look like it, even if you and me ain't acting like it yet, that we actually were created fashioned as God's poetry to the world, fashioned and formed in his image. Unlike anything else, we were the crown jewel of heaven. So Pastor Dan, why is it important for me to know that? Because if you know it and I know it, we're gonna start acting like it. And when we start acting like it, we're gonna find out that the purpose of God is gonna unfold a heck of a lot quicker than the way we're believing and acting right now. Come on. It works with adults, it works with children, it works with anybody. Anybody who is off course, don't tell them how off course they are. Tell them where, they, where God's created them to be. Tell them what they actually have on the inside of them. Tell them who they really were created and designed and fashioned to be. And you're gonna find out that when they start to believe it, they're gonna correct their own course, get on the right path and begin to see things happen very quickly. Come on.
Never forget my daughter Lainey one time, she got caught doing something she wasn't supposed to, which has happened like four times in her whole life. She's 14, she's a great kid, but one time she got caught doing something she wasn't supposed to. And uh, I sat down with her and had a conversation. We were upstairs in her room and she was so ready to just get beat up and so ready to tell me about all the things and I'm so sorry and I know you told me not to and I did it anyways and I just this and I don't know why. And I, and I stopped her before she could get into all that and I said, is that who you are? And she said, no, dad. And I said, well, then we're not gonna talk about it anymore. She's like, what do you mean? Are you gonna punish me? I said, no, I'm not gonna punish you. She's like, why not? I said, is that who you are? She goes, no. I said, so what would it look like for you to act according to who you are? Well, I would do this and I would do this and I would do this and I wouldn't do this and I wouldn't do this. All right, I said, is that the plan? She's like, yep, good talk. Now, you may not have a mom or dad to do that, but you need to look yourself in the mirror. Forgive yourself for maybe not being where you want to be, missing it, messing up. Read Psalms 139, 13 through 16, and remind yourself who you are, what you're made of, what God designed for your life to be, and walk out the door not thinking about what you've missed, what you regret, the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Walk out that door on the way to work or on the way to a friend's house or on the way to a holiday and believe wholeheartedly in that moment that who I am is gonna change the way I act. What I believe about myself is gonna begin to reorganize how I approach my day. Does this make sense this morning? Where's Charles? Did Charles leave? Ah, he slipped out before I could pray for him. Well, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna we'll get him, don't worry. That's all right. We all stand up together, let's pray. I speak a message like this, I don't um, discount the pain that many of you have walked through. It's real, it's no joke. Some of you have been through enough pain that it would kill 10 people. You've survived. You've made it to this point. Pain has a way of just basically telling you that the goal is just simply to get out of pain and you'll do anything to do it. But there's more to life than just not having pain. There's a whole other side of life that God wants for you and me. Believe it today, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what you've been through, believe today that you were created, fashioned, the only thing in the universe that was created and fashioned in the very image of God is you and me. Yeah, that's right. Everything else he spoke, the only thing that was hands-on was the creation of you and me. That's great. I'm gonna use that in the next service to not give you credit. Um, <laughs> My uncle said it, it's the only thing he didn't speak. Everything else he spoke into existence, but you and I, he created, which means that we were so special and we were so important to making sure he got every detail right that he had to take his hands to begin to form us and mold us. It's the only thing that actually has the touch and the breath of God. Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't do any better than that. Get out of here. I love you. I was going to pray, but take that. Be blessed, encouraged, and go get it this week.